Inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy. And teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is our hour of power. This is that daily meeting between you and me, just the two of us. Nobody else is listening, just the two of us. Just go ahead and put on your noise-canceling headphones. Just kidding. (laughs) But we get together here every day from 11 to 12, Central Standard Time. Why? To work on the one organ that never has to deteriorate. You know, our heart has so many beats. Our lungs have so many breaths. Our kidneys and livers have so many filtrations. You know, our skin can only take so much sun exposure. But our brain has unlimited plasticity. God made our brain to where we never had to grow old. Never had to grow old. Mentally. Oh, the body decays. Oh, the body's wearing down. The Bible says that. It's the spirit that was renewed and refreshed. And part of that spirit is our mind. And so yesterday we we started talking about mental health. Uh, and there's a reason for it because, you know, we're, we're a three-part being, right? Uh, and I'm one of the very few trainings out there in the world that deals with all three parts. I mean, I don't know how many people would go to uh, and pay full price for two-thirds of a meal or would pay full price for two-thirds of a movie or would pay full price for one-third of a grocery bag that you just bought, right? And yet so many people do that with training, Uh, They want to deal with the body, or they want to deal with the mind, or they want to deal with the spirit. But you've got to deal with all three, because man is a threefold being, right? Uh, Again, as I said, and I think Chuck Smith said this decades ago, I am a spirit. I live in a body. I possess a consciousness. There's the trinity. There's the trifecta. There's the three parts, right? The real me is a spirit that occupies this body. Right. If you want to look at me, don't look at my carbon-based life form. You got to look in my eyes, because the eyes are the window of the soul. The real me is the spirit. The real me is the one inside this body. I used to drive an orange beetle, and when I drove down the street, nobody ever waved at me and said, "There's black, the orange beetle." I wasn't the orange beetle. The orange beetle is the medium by which Mr. Black got from point A to point B. I'm the guy inside. The real me is the spirit, the guy inside. The body is the medium by which my spirit expresses itself, my hands, legs, right, my interactions. And then I possess a consciousness, my mind, right? Plant life exists on a physical plane. Animal life exists on a physical and the social slash conscious plane, the mental, right? And then man lives on all three planes. We live on the physical, the conscious, and the spiritual plane. And in the same degree by which the plant life is separated from the animal life by the inclusion of the consciousness, so man is separated from animal life by the inclusion of the spirit. So this is just basic science. And so you've got to deal, the, the body is a, is a machine, just like the car that you drove to work in today. Uh, you've got to put gas in it. You've got to make sure it has oil. You've got to change the filters. You've got to make sure there's tire, uh, there's air in the tires. You've got to make sure there's water in the radiator. You gotta, don't you see? 
Otherwise, it breaks down. Otherwise, it doesn't go. And sometimes it'll work without all that good stuff, but eventually it catches up. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. That's what the good mechanics say, right? You can pay me now or you can pay me later. And so you got to deal with how the body creates experience, how we make ourselves turned on and turned off, how we make ourselves excited. But then you got to go to the mind because the mind runs the body. And the battle is in the mind. Matter of fact, God tells you, God, our creator tells you how important it is. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Your heart is your primary focal center. When God talks about the heart, he's not talking about that organ in your body and left side of your body in your chest that moves uh, blood to and fro. It's talking about your primary focus, where your, where your heart is. The Bible says there your treasure is. What do you desire? What do you crave? You newlywed. Do you crave your spouse more than you crave your God? You uh, parents of newly born children, do you, crave your, do you crave your newly born children more than you do your God? There's your, there's your God. That's who's on your throne, right or wrong, good or bad. That's just data. And so God says, above all else, guard our heart, because he says, for everything you do flows from it. Isn't that powerful? And then it says, the good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil treasure of his heart. And this is the important part of Luke 6.45, and I think it's, uh, what is it, Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4, Matthew 12.34. And it says this, for the overflow, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you know how Jesus said, I love this translation, I don't remember what translation, but he said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? And so you got to understand how the mind works. And then there's a spiritual piece. And so as human beings, a big part of, uh, of what we do is, is communication, is connection. And we're leaders. We're called to lead. We're called to lead people closer to the kingdom if we're children of God. We're called to lead people to a better life. We're called to lead people to hope. We're supposed to have a reason for everything we believe. We're supposed to be hope peddlers. We're supposed to be difference makers. We see a need. We meet a need. Don't you see the interaction? Remember, you can live a life of survival. You can just get through this world. You can live a life of success where it's all about you and at least you're making a name for yourself. Or you can live a life of significance. And significance requires other people. And so my forte is leadership. And it's key because people are looking for people to follow. And if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Because planes crash and people die. It's a fact of life. And so you got to be able to understand, one, how you work because other people are just like you. And then number two, how how do you impact people? And so today on Like It Matters Radio, I want to continue talking about mental health. What does good mental health mean? How can one achieve a level of maturity and growth where they can become more emotionally intelligent? See, communication is a transaction. The more you can understand how the other person is thinking and feeling, the better you can communicate to get what you both want from the interaction. And this applies to the communication we have with others as well as our self-talk. And so today I want to continue the mental health discussion, and I want to lay out for my listeners stimulus response. Now, I had my producer, I had my wife say, hey, uh, you had a typo there. There's no space between stimulus response. I go, that's intentional. I want no space because God put a space there. And yet most people treat it like there's no space there. It was Dr. Viktor Frankl who said between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. Don't you hear it? And in that space is our power and our freedom. But most people out there don't put a space in between stimulus and response. We're like just animals. 
And if you kick a dog, they respond. If you step on a cat's tail, they respond. If you pet a cat, they respond. See, there's no gap between the stimulus and response. They're innate. They're instinctual. They just respond to past. But to human beings, we are made different. There is a space between the stimulus and the response. And in that space is our power. It is our freedom. And I'm going to suggest that most people have walked away from their power. Most people have walked away from their freedom. They become a victim. They become a sheeple. They've been told what to think and how to think and when to think it. And I'm going to tell you right now, leader, you're better than that. God calls you to more than that. Right? Romans 12, 2. Right? Transform your thinking. Do not think the way of this world. But you're different. You're called out. I've called you to be different, to think different. And God would never call us to do something that he's not going to equip us to do. And so today we're going to go to the basic of human interaction, communication. I'm going to show you some of the tools that God's created us with, some of the ways he made us. Because once you know how we're made, then you can function at a higher level. That's what I do on this radio show. That's what I do at likeitmatters.net. I help you maximize the potentials you were created with. Because if you don't know you're doing it, then why would you stop doing it? If you're not willing to to get the bad news, you're probably never going to get the good news. Because sometimes it is the bad news that drives you to the good news. So after the break, I got some good news for you. I'm Black, and we'll be right back. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Education and application. I am black and we are back. And yeah, if you want to read about what I do, what I've been doing for 30 years, you can go to likeitmatters.net. Two and a half day transformational leadership. Uh, That's what I do. I help people maximize the potential. I teach them how they work. I create a situational leadership experience that allows them to learn more about themselves in 48 hours than they could possibly learn about themselves in years. And only that helps me learn about them. Why? Because then you have me as a life caddy for the rest of your life. Uh, I walk with you. I'm on the radio for an hour a day out of Freedom 1570. You can listen to me anywhere in the world. Just go to www.freedom1570.com, 11 a.m. to 12 noon Central Standard Time. And if you miss that, then go to my website, likeitmattersradio.com, 30 minutes after the radio show is done, and the producers there at Salem are great. They have it posted, so you can listen to it in podcast form. Let's say you only do podcasts. So I do podcasts, bi-weekly podcasts, which is different than this radio show. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for live in life like it matters live in life like it matters if you're a person who is interested in god or things of the spirit i send out a daily devotional it's real it's not a it's not an ordi orb 
It's not a t-shirt slogan. It's real. It's structural. It's more than you. In my little uh, morning, um, uh, what you'll get out of that writing I send you every morning is more than what most people get out of church uh, in an hour and a half on a Sunday. So you can go to uh, wayofwarrior.blog. Wayofwarrior.blog. Go down the right side. Uh, it says follow. Click that. And then you can just type in your email address. And every morning, and I do it seven days a week, 365 days a year, eight years plus so far, uh, never missed a day. You'll get it in your in your uh, email. So that's what I do. And for the last seven years, I've been on the radio because Gary over at Salem says, hey, would you like to do a radio show? And I said, I'd love to, but let me check in with the big man. Let me see what God says. And by the grace of God, he said, yes, sir, you're doing it. And here's how you're doing it. And so here we are. Fast forward to seven years. And boy, it was Billy Graham who said any good preacher that is worth his weight will have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. Any good leadership trainer will have the knowledge in one hand and a newspaper in the other. Because life is about patterns. And I don't care who you are. If you're going to talk to people and coach people and mentor people and talk about the things of life, you got to be able to see patterns. If you don't understand the law of causation, if you don't understand the chain of causality, if you don't understand the if-then conditional statements, if you don't understand that A begats B, if, if A, then B, and if not A, then not B, if you don't understand that, be honest with you, then just stay on your own little social media link and get, leave people alone. Because as God said, heaven forbid those that keep a young person from coming to me, one of the little ones. It'd be better if they were not born. Uh, so that's what God says. So those of you that are into really distracting people and getting them off course, you might want to keep to yourself. Because hell hath no fury uh, like being found in the hands of the living God and you mocked him all your life. That's not a good place to be. So why am I talking about mental health? Well, first of all, it's a pandemic or I should say a pandemic based on the pandemic. But there was an article, Educators Brace for Back to School Mental Health Crisis, this report. And Thomas Plant, who's a fellow of the American Psychological Association, said, quote, uh, by the way, he's a Santa Clara University psychology professor as well. He said, quote, divisive politics, climate change, anxiety, increasing economic insecurity, racial justice protests, toxic social media, school shootings, and a lack of stress management skills, a lack of good mental health. That's what he's saying have added to a growing youth mental health crisis that may last long after the pandemic. So already this guy loses all credibility. That may last long after a pandemic? Oh my gosh, I, I, the guy should be stricken from the APA. Of course it's gonna, it's gonna have more loss of life, of joy, uh, of happiness, of relationships than anything the pandemic ever could have had. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Write it down. Many of whom quit or during uh, quit during the pandemic. Do you realize how many people quit? The U.S. Surgeon General and the APA have issued warnings about the crisis, the mental health crisis. Burbier reported Sunday that schools are also increasing employee salaries and bonuses this fall to address an ongoing shortage of staff, ranging from bus drivers to teachers. They all quit this mass exodus. Dr. William Shafter, an infectious disease specialist who teaches at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, said the residual effect of COVID keeping students at home is causing terrific turmoil and anxiety for many of them for decades. This is going to happen. 
we have second. And by the way, this is the last paragraph of this article. The best way to prevent future school closures will be to have more children vaccinated against COVID-19. We have a large percentage of children who are still not vaccinated. I hope parents will accept COVID vaccinations as well as routine vaccinations for their children. So here's the answer. Get more vaccinations. Get this shot, this jab that alters your molecular structure that makes you a genetified, modified organism that does not keep you from getting it. Look at all these young, healthy people that are dying of natural causes. Why don't you Google how many young athletes are dying of natural causes, 24-year-old, 26 years old, 31 years old. Look at it. You're not hearing about it. It'd be nice to do a search to see how many of these people got the vaccine. Again, but if you say anything, you're just a weirdo. See, this is the problem. This is what's going on with communication. But you got to understand, there's two types of communication whenever we're talking about this. We're talking about communication with ourselves and others. See, in the field of leadership, we like to put things in patterns because he or she that can identify a pattern and can manipulate the pattern to work for the good of what they're working towards uh, is basically the requisite variety. Remember the law of a requisite variety? That system, I mean, that element in a system with the most flexibility has the most power. That's who we're supposed to be as leaders. And so what I like to do to help people is put things in chunkable sizes. We learn in chunks. And so I have something I came up with decades ago, and I teach it in one of my leadership classes called the four plus one C's of leadership. And it's about commitment, communication, clear vision, consensus. And once we have those four in place, and then and only then do you have consistency because you don't want to lock up a pattern that's not working. But once it works, then you can go ahead and lock up the pattern. And it always starts with commitment because commitment's about trust. If your team members can't trust you, will they follow you? Leaders have to push through tough situations. Most people pull back when they hit resistance, but leaders push through the wall. So your team needs to know you're committed. You're all in, heart, body, and soul. If you're not all in, why would they be all in? And then we talk about clear vision. A leader has to know where we're at now, where we're going, what will it take to get there, and how long. Leaders got to have big, hairy, audacious goals. They got to they got to focus on something bigger than they are. People want to be a part of something bigger than they are. And then you got to have a consensus. You got to be able to build a team to gain agreement uh, in groups for problem solving, for decision making, uh, a way by which everyone discusses the issues and reaches a decision that all can support, incorporating the knowledge, the experience, the ideas, the feelings of all members of a group. That's how you build consensus. But one of the four C's is this C called communication. And it's actually the second one because I believe it really is the second most important after commitment. And whenever I talk about communication, I always talk about two types, with self and with others. Very important. With self, is called intrapersonal, and with others, it's called interpersonal. And communication is the foundation for all relationships, both business and personal. What good is a mission? What good is a vision? What good are values and beliefs if they are not communicated? And you cannot be an effective leader if you cannot effectively communicate. And so I always talk about when people go to communications training, they go to the other kind, not the kind I'm talking about right now. They go to the type that I'm doing with you, where I'm communicating with someone else and I want to move you. I'm going to sway you. I'm going to gain agreement with you. I want to sell you. I'm going to move through conflict with you. I want to build rapport with you, right? If you go to these little 495 classes, these 995 classes for four hours, for eight hours, communication, how to better sell, how to better close, how to overcome objections, don't you hear? All that 
is communication. That's all it is. And, but it's dealing with the communication that you have with other people, and that's important. But I'm going to suggest that it is the intrapersonal communication, the communication that we have with ourselves that dictates everything else. Think about that. We have 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. That's what we in the study of epigenetics. 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. That's what, what do you think thinking is. It's talking to yourself. And it is this self-talk that really dictates everything else. So now I'm going to unpack it for you. This is I'm showing you how we're made. So in communication, you've got to understand this. Your mind, my mind, our mind thinks at least six times faster we can speak. See, information is received so fast that the mind reacts with an impulse before it can stop it. Remember, we're dealing with two parts. We're dealing with a conscious brain and an unconscious brain. And if you think about it, communication is thought transmission, right? We're basically taking something in our head some, and then turning into a stimulus, right? To basically elicit a response from someone else. That's transactional analysis. There's a stimulus and a response, and together that's called a transaction. Now remember, the mind is six times faster than we can talk. And we're dealing with the unconscious mind that runs the ship. So you have something like the reticular activating system, the RAS. The RAS is a part of the unconscious brain. It is the brain's focal center, and it does not pick up negative programming. So if you were to tell someone to do whatever you want in your mind's eye, but don't picture the Statue of Liberty, they could not resist seeing the Statue of Liberty unless they don't see pictures in the head. They cannot resist being aware of the Statue of Liberty, feeling something, having some awareness. Why? Because your mind is six times faster and you can talk. So you can't interrupt that process. It's too fast. It's like the speed of light versus the speed of sound. One's a lot faster. You see it before you hear it, right? That's the same thing. Your mind is so much faster. You can't interrupt that process. And yet we run around telling people, don't spill the milk. And then that little child has a picture of spilt milk in their unconscious brain, and we make them anxious and nervous. And then what happens? They spill the milk. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We planted the seed. So if you're going to run that machine better, you got to know how that machine works. So after the break, let's go into some of the ways we communicate and how we also miscommunicate. I'm Black, and we'll be right back. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black. And today we are talking about stimulus response. And if you look at the title, uh, the word runs together. There's no space between. And that was intentional. 
because we were made with a space between the stimulus and the response. Remember, that is the definition of communication. It's a transaction. There's a stimulus. Someone says something or does something, and then somebody else responds. That's technically a transaction. That's the old dial-up. Remember the old dial-up when you dial in, all of a sudden it go do, and then all of a sudden it go high pitch, dee, and when it went dee, you knew that it was connected. And then when you shut off, when you disconnect it, it would say transaction completed because there was a stimulus, you dialed in, and the response, it connected, and that was a transaction. Uh, we just did electronic deposit. I heard that the transaction was accepted because I reached out through their mobile app to Wells Fargo and I sent them something and then Wells Fargo responded. There was a stimulus, I did something and Wells Fargo responded and then they let me know that the transaction was complete. It's called communication. And the foundation for all relationships is communication. And whenever I'm talking about communication because it is one of the four plus one C's of leadership. Remember, it's commitment, communication, clear vision, consensus. That is the, those are the tent poles of leadership. And once all four of those in place in your culture, in your business, in your environment, then and only then do you add the plus one, which is consistency. Make it SOP. Why is it SOP? Because it works. Not because that's the way we've always done it before. It's because it works. And so whenever we talk about communication, because that's our focal point today, is we're dealing with intrapersonal communication, the communication we have with ourselves, and interpersonal communication, the communication we have with others. And today we're focusing on the intrapersonal because that's the problem. That's the problem. We have three things that keep us from communicating. We call it miscommunication. They are deletions. They are distortions. And they are generalizations. Deletions such as forgetting or erasing information. Distortions such as recalling facts differently uh, from your co-communicators, if you will. A generalization, making a blanket, blanket statement or assumptions. See, the external extent comes in through our sensory input channels. We have filter, right? We see things, we hear things, we uh, experience things, we smell things, we taste things, right? We have five senses. And everything enters our experience through our senses. And so every memory you have is stored in what you saw, what you heard, what you felt tactilely or emotionally, what you smelt or what you tasted. I'm not going to do this on this show. I've done it many times. But if you go to any memory, that's the only way you can codify any experience is through the five senses, and deja vu is when those five senses match five identical stimuli in those senses at that moment. That's all it is. And so I work on communication because it's the foundation for all relationships. Remember, communication is an interactive process. The more you understand how the other person is thinking and feeling, the better you can communicate to get what you both want from the interaction. What a concept, right? To get what you both want. But here's the problem. We're unconscious creatures. We only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. I'm just telling you how God made you. If you don't like it, that's a problem. I have a good friend of mine, uh, Dave, and he's, uh, I don't know if they're engaged or not still, but engaged, this woman, and um, very judgmental, and yet she thinks everybody else is so judgmental. We have a tendency to look at other people uh, and, and think of this or that, and it's because of the miscommunication, deletions, distortions, generalizations. It's because of the unconscious programming, what's going on. 
And you got to realize how we're made. And so we have this thing called the reticular activating system. It's part of the unconscious brain. And if you're going to make any lasting change, you must follow the rules of the unconscious brain because it runs the ship. And consciously, you could be thinking you're making one message, but unconsciously, a totally different message is picked up because no one responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality. Remember, there are things called deletions. There are things called distortions. And there are things called generalizations. We filter. So even though we're taking things in through our eyes, through our ears, through our experience, they're being filtered through our prejudices, prejudices, through our traumas, through our BS, our belief systems. So as we process the event, we delete, we distort, we generalize the information that comes in because it'd be overload. Autism is all these filters. We have these filters. All these filters are, are turned off. We have something like one exabyte or uh, of information, which is like a thousand of the highest thing that you've ever heard before. That's how much process stimuli goes through our head. We have to have filters. Otherwise, we would be overwhelmed. We'd have autism. And so we delete, we distort, we generalize. And these are based on those filters. Deletions occur when we selectively pay attention to certain aspects of our experience and not others. It's cognitive dissonance. It's all these people that are so hateful to Donald Trump. Can't believe Donald Trump would attempt to make himself, would make money off of being elected. Yeah, no other person does that. You have the whole Democratic Party as multimillionaires and were poor when they got elected. It's just silly. And Hunter Biden can't be looked into. But boy, the last name's Trump. Let's look into everything. I mean, this is silly. Hunter Biden's made hundreds of millions of dollars. That Biden family's been bought and sold for 50 years. But no one cares. Because it doesn't matter. You've deleted all this stuff. It's called cognitive dissonance. You're being played. You're being manipulated. But some of you are okay with that because it f makes you feel good. you got to realize feelings are, 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 are just chemical response to what you're thinking about, your breathing, and your physiology. Now, distortions occur when we make shifts in our experience of sensory data by making misrepresentations of reality. Right? We, we make things what they are. Uh, what they're not. We make a mountain out of a molehill, right? Distortions help us in the process of motivating ourselves. Uh, you know, sometimes I use exaggeration as a debating technique. It's a distortion. And generalizations. Generalizations are, um, we draw global conclusions based on one or two experiences. All black people, all white people. That's the problem with CRT. It's so racist. All black people are victims. That's stunning. I can't believe someone is so racist can believe that all people who have a black skin uh, are identical. That's just talk about you cannot find something more racist. And now all and all people that have no skin color who are white, who are melanin challenged, are evil. They're made that way. And last time I checked, Romans three twenty three says we're all evil. We're all made that way. When did black people no longer be humans? That's just crazy. This is pure racism. And see, the generalization is racism. Like, of course, we all know that white people like this and black people like this and black people think that white people this. And yet now it's normalized to think that way. See, at its best, generalization is one of the ways that we learn by taking the information we have and drawing broad conclusions about the meaning of the effect. And that's really what's going on. That's really what's going on. And so here's the question. Why is it that when two people have the same stimulus, why don't they have the same response? The answer is because we delete certain things. We distort th certain things and we generalize the information from the outside. 
So now, you know, we talked about the reticular activating system, the brain's unconscious focal system. That when you talk about what you don't want, your brain actually pictures it. It's like backing up a car in a big room or big building and you don't want to hit a table. If you don't want to hit that table, guess what you must focus on all the time? That table. That's how it works when you focus on what you don't want. I don't want to be in a dead-end marriage. I don't want to be in an abusive relationship. I don't want to keep drinking. I don't want to keep smoking. I don't want to be uh, addicted to pharmaceutical drugs. I don't, I don't, I don't. But what do you want? And what do you want so bad that you want to be uncomfortable for a couple days? What do you want so bad that you want to feel the pain, get the bad news so that you're open to the good news? Pain's a great motivator if you stop self-medicating. Why do you think we do drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and pornography? It's a way to self-medicate. It's a way to numb the pain. And if you numb the pain, you'll never deal with the pain. And so you've got to deal with it. And this is how it works. This is a study of transactional uh, analysis. There's a stimulus and there's a response. Now, remember, the mind is six times faster. So we don't actually respond to the stimulus. Here's what happens. A dog returns to his vomit and a sow after cleaning herself returns to mire. The proverb is this. You can tell a man's religion in time of despair. When we get in trouble, we face obstacles, we come upon a problem, we automatically, unconsciously, we go to what we know. We go to our past. We go to our filing cabinets. And remember, we have three modalities. There's the visual modalities where we see things. There's the auditory modality where we hear or say things. And there's a kinesthetic modality where we process through our feelings. We all process all three ways. Some have a primary, some have a secondary, and then a lower third one is called tertiary. Some people are pretty balanced across the visual, auditory, kinesthetic. I call them VACs, V-A-Ks, capitals, because they're pretty well, they're, they process a lot visually, process a lot auditorily, process a lot kinesthetically. But usually we have a favorite flavor, a primary one. And so what happens when someone says something or does something because the mind is six times faster, we don't respond to them. What we do is we go to what we know. So we go to our visual field if we're visual. We see something from our past. We go to our auditory field if we're auditory. We hear something about our past or say something about our past. Or we go to the kinesthetic where we feel something from our past or feel a, a physical alteration thinking about it. And then based on that, we respond. Did you hear me? See, we're not responding to the stimulus. We're responding to our narrative about the stimulus. See, this is why it goes back to what I said in the first segment. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And then Jesus told us, the good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart, and the evil man brings out evil things out of the evil treasure of his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, as Jesus put it plainly, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What's your heart full of? We, that's what we're going to do after the break. You're going to see why all these problems are, is what we're stuffing in people's hearts, what we're putting in people's heads. We got to tell people, my head, my heart, my choice. Get out of my head, get out of my heart. If I can't tell you what to do with that baby in your body, but you can tell me to get a jab into my body I don't want, then I think I should be able to tell you, get out of my head, get out of my heart, because it's my power, it's my freedom. And after the break, I'm going to show you how to retake that power and that freedom. I'm Black. We'll be right back. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. 
Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. The Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black, and we are back. Boy, if you could live in my shoes for a couple days, I think you'd be interested. (laughs) So uh, today we are talking about the stimulus and the response. Between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is our power. It is our freedom. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you very bluntly, we've given up our power. We've given up our freedom. We're like a sponge. We're talking about communication. We're talking about transactional analysis. We're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy. This is what I teach you the science. You talk about follow the science. Transactional analysis says communication is a stimulus and a response. Our minds are six times faster than we can talk. And so what happens when someone says something or does something, what we respond to is our narrative about what they did. Our mind is already down the loop, but why did they do that? Boy, this always happens to me. Everybody treats me this way. Nobody ever. Remember we talked about the three uh, miscommunications, deletions, distortions, generalizations. See, here's where they come in between the must response so someone says something or does something and now we go off onto our narrative what does this say about me what does this say about them what does this is what we do and so we're not responding to that person we're responding to our narrative about what that person did based on our trauma based on our drama based on our belief systems based on our filters i mean it's all a game the whole process is a game and we're being manipulated we're played look at the university of washington 20 years ago did a study that says very clearly that angry people get are more politically active and so we have an entire political process that's made to to tick you off to make you believe that you can't get your abortions until you're gonna die and you can't do whatever you want whenever you want so you're gonna die and then you can't do this so your kids are going to die. And then if the Republicans get elected, the world's going to burn up. And if Republicans are elected, then you won't have your free abortions. And oh, my gosh. You don't see what's going on? All this stuff's being put in there. And then when you get squeezed, we're, we're like a sponge. That's why if it wasn't in you, it wouldn't be coming out of you. I use the example, and some of you need to hear it for the first time if you've heard it before. If I'm at your house. And I drop a wine punch on your beautiful top floor. And I go clean up my mess. I get a brand new sponge out of its wrapper. And I clean up from your clean floor before I spill my Hawaiian punch on it. I clean up my Hawaiian punch. When I squeeze that sponge, you're going to expect something like a red punch to come out of it. 
Now, if I did the same thing, but this time I had brown soda. And again, you had just got your house clean. Your floors are spotless. I spill some brown soda on your floor. I go under the sink. I grab a brand new sponge. I take this wrapper and I clean up that mess. You know what you're going to expect to come out of that sponge when I squeeze it? You're going to expect some type of brown liquid to come out. And I was asking you, why would you expect that? And you would say, Mr. Black, because that's what you put in it. And then I would say, in this story, you are the sponge. You've got to be careful what you put into your experience. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Why? Because it's making us sick. This is why we got to be careful who we have around our kids, who we have our spouses, who we have around our families. Just article today, Fox News, defunding police, vilifying them at every turn, contributing to officer suicides. Suicides in the law enforcement community have continued to be problematic for police departments across the country in recent years, including more than a dozen Chicago police officers since 2018. Two retired police officers told Fox News the defund the police movement, staffing shortages, and media demonization are now a contributing factor. A Chicago police officer was found dead with self-inflicted gunshot wounds on Saturday, making the third time in the month of July that a Chicago police officer has committed suicide. And that's sad because all the pressure. And yet police officers are being vilified and, and black people are being taught that police officers, I don't care what their skin color, even black ones, are wake up every morning and figure out how they're going to hunt black people. And you got people afraid of being pulled over by a cop because they're going to kill them. And then they resist arrest and then they fight. You see that guy, at the, uh, the Black Lives Matter protester, who's not even a U.S. citizen, burned down uh, a police car. Set a police car on burned it down. And the judge went really lenient on him, gave him under a year, 364 days, so that he wouldn't be deported. Because it's illegal to be a foreigner in this country and commit a felony. And so this judge, to protect this guy who burned a cop car, who rioted, he then went ahead and gave him a light sentence. And yet there are people from January 6th that did nothing but trespass. They didn't burn anything down. They didn't break anything. They trespassed. A lot of us trespass every day without even knowing it. And yet they're still being held without bail. They're still being held. They're told that they're evil. How come we can have foreign people from this country commit felonies, crimes, and the justice system goes easier on them. But Americans, Americans who are born and bred here, they object to a, an election that was fraudulently given away. And now they're evil. They're against America. They need to be flogged. See, this is what's going inside. When people, cops are told that they're evil, when police officers are told that call names and spit upon, look how cops are treating New York City. I mean, it's sad. And then you wonder why it was already one of the highest rates of suicide for police officers. They put their life on the line. I want to do it. It's tough. I mean, look at Seattle. Did you see in Seattle? They can't even keep officers. Seattle mayor considers incentives for police amid officer shortage. Seattle, what they did to their cops, they treated them terribly. They wouldn't support them. They wouldn't back them. They wouldn't even let them go in police. I mean, in fire departments. I mean, basically terrorized. It was stunning. And now they're wondering why they're down 400 police officers. That's what Seattle's down, 400 police officers. They're the lowest police officers in three decades, down to 954 for one of the largest cities in the country.
See, we got to be careful what's putting in. How about this one? This is what you want to hear because the progressives don't want to hear, but you've got to do this. This is programming. I'm telling you right now, this is all about the narrative. You've got to control your narrative. How about this one? This is today's paper. At least 181, um, 200 K-12 through educators charged with child sex crimes in the first half of 2022. One a day. One a day. Can you believe that? And now these are the same people that they want you to have private sexual conversations with our kids at five and six years old. They want to talk to our kids. I can't talk to my employees about sex or I'd be a lawsuit against me for sexual harassment. But school administrators, of which up 200, and this is all that we know in the first half of the year, and there's way more that aren't reported, it says, they're supposed to be able to have private conversations with my five-year-old kid about sexuality. I mean, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil treasure of his heart. When Jesus walked this planet, when he was crucified, I would call that a squeezing. What did he do? He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. See, this is what we're talking about. This is where we got to take control between the stimulus and the response. See, this is where we got to control what goes in. What goes in. This is where we got to be better stewards. Because emotional intelligence is the right emotion with the right intensity at the right time for the right reason directed to the right person. And that's what's lacking in emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the ability to sense, understand, and effectively apply the power and acumen of emotions as a source of human energy, information, connection, and influence. See, this is what the space between gives us. See, it gives us a chance to process these emotions intelligently. We're not animals. We're different. And we're not driven by the spirit of offense. Just because someone hits us doesn't mean we have to hit them back. Just because someone calls us a name doesn't mean we have to call them a name back. Why do you think uh, uh, Jackie Robinson was picked to be the first black player in the major leagues? Because he was a man of God. That They knew they had to find a man that was strong enough not to respond with all the hatred, all the bitterness, all the other stuff that everybody else is doing. I mean, most of us, if we were spit upon, we'd punch someone. Most of us, if we called names, we'd, we'd call the names back. Most of us, if someone called our mom or our, our wife a bad name, we'd fight them. But they had to pick a man who was stronger than that. They had to pick a man who knew who he was. They had to pick a man who had the, had the spirit of God going through him. They had to pick a man who knew how to hold his tongue. They had to pick a man who knew who he was without letting other people define him. They had to pick a man with emotional intelligence, and that was Jackie Robinson. It's not enough to have feelings. Emotional intelligence requires you to learn to acknowledge and value these feelings in ourselves and others. So first of all, we got to clean up what's been left in there, and now we got to put some good stuff in there. So go to likeitmatters.net, let me help you do that. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net 
where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.